It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, John? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 129 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, a betting preview of this weekend's Premier League Game Week 1 fixtures. We're here, it's arrived, how exciting. And joining me is our uh, card betting expert and the, and the man who's full of stats, George Gamble. How are you, mate? I'm doing well. I'm much better than uh, the other day when we did the podcast when me and Nigel were anything but bright-eyed and, and bushy-tailed at around eight in the morning. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was good. But I'm all good today. Looking forward to discussing some of the games for the opening weekend of the Premier League. Yeah, mate. How good is it? We've got four games we're going to go through today. We're going to go through Tottenham, Man City, Brentford, Arsenal, Chelsea, Crystal Palace and Everton versus Southampton. But as always, we like to kick things off. It's the return of the quiz, quiz question, sorry, mate. And it's it's based around last year. This, this is quite an interesting question and a lot of people might be shocked by the result here. But maybe you'll know this one. Manchester <coughs> City last season, they did win the title by 12 points, mate. But where were they on the table on Christmas Day? A very, very interesting result that we will uh, we'll get to at the back of the podcast where we will re- reveal the answer. Firstly, mate, we're going to go through Tottenham versus Man City. I'll get the odds up on the screen. We've got Manchester City, pretty uh, pretty short favourites here. Best price you can get is about 1.66, 1.67. The draw is at around <coughs> 4, 4.1. And Tottenham you can get as high as 5.75. This will be Nuno Santos's first game in charge of Spurs and he comes up comes up against his toughest test probably of the season away uh, or sorry he's at home so maybe the the away game will be the hardest but uh mm-hmm. it's tough in the sense that <clears throat> Harry Kane's only just got back into training so he probably won't start and I've heard the proposed lineup or the proposed eleven for for Tottenham for this for this game. It looks it it just pales in comparison when you look at Manchester City, who um who are missing Foden and De Bruyne. But if you uh, if you take them out, you've still got Jack Grealish, Sterling, Mares, Silva, Torres, Jesus. So, mate, I think you'll be okay. You say that. I'm going to disagree with you completely. <laughs> every time, um, every time. <clears throat> yeah, every time. I mean, you know, you're right. Obviously, Harry Kane uh, he just got back into training this week and we all know what's going on um, with that. Well, the fact that we don't exactly know what's going on is probably half of it. But yes, yeah, it's, it's expected um, that he probably won't play in this one, not just because of a, a potential transfer to City, um, but more the fact he, like I said, he just got into training. I don't think he's, I don't really think he's fit to play in this one. And none of their new signings are expected to play as well. You know, they've got obviously Brian Gill and Christian Romero. But I was looking at those odds. Those odds for me are priced up as if both teams are, have, have got all the players uh, selected, you know, available to them. Um, I don't see, I mean, that disparity, I think, what would you say City were on there? Was it like 1.47 or something like that? No, no, 1.67. sorry but even so for me that's far 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 too low Um, in my opinion I think Spurs are are very high 
I'm not saying I think Spurs are going to inflict a damage and defeat on on City, but you look at you know who they've they did, you know Foden and De Bruyne are definitely out, and it's very likely that Edison, Jesus, Stones, Walker, Sterling, and Laporte are all out as well. And right, okay, you know they're 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 starters now, particularly you know with Jesus. Obviously, now Aguero's gone. Um, obviously got the Laporte there who's obviously played second fiddle in the end to John Stone last season but they're first team quality players and they're missing a lot they really are but as we know with City the strength in depth is is phenomenal it really is so they've still got a very strong side to put out I think it'll probably be a 4-3-3 maybe with Grealish and, and Mares occupying the wings and potentially Torres playing uh, in that central position on his own because he's Pep tried to sort of experiment with that having Torres through because he's got a natural finishing ability and one thing I noticed with Torres that Aguero seemed to lose towards the end of his career is, is just making those runs towards the post. Aguero seems to, to hang back and miss, a, you know, miss a lot of opportunities that weren't even given to him because he wasn't in the right position, whereas Torres seems to be lapping that up. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And then you've still got the likes of Fernandinho, Rodri and, and Gundogan to occupy that middle three. But it is a weakened City side. Obviously, we saw against Leicester. Um, and again, you can't read too much into that. Obviously, we spoke about it on the previous podcast, but... I mean, I disagree with Nigel slightly. I think you could just both, you could see both teams were sort of, weren't quite ready just yet. Sorry, I agree with him in that respect that they're a few weeks off being, um, you know, fully raring to go and fully fit. But City just, they looked a bit disjointed. Obviously, he's had to start a few youth players because players being unavailable to them. And I think it's going to take at least maybe a month to six weeks for them to really kick on and, and get going. Similar to how we saw last season, that's how ex- I'm expecting it to pan out. You know, at the beginning of last season, we saw Leicester demolish City at the Etihad, five goals to two. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see a few dodgy results for for Man City. So I, I think this one's a lot tougher uh, than the odds suggest, personally. I mean, I never like betting on any games to do with City. Um, I, I just don't like doing it. But for me, I do think Tottenham are extremely overpriced and you know, maybe even a double chance. I bet if you can get that, that'll be over evens. And yeah, I, d- I just think Tottenham are being exceptionally underrated here, even without Harry Kane, who doesn't start. You've obviously got the likes of Sun Hyung Min, who've uh, just obviously signed the new contract as well. So they've got that boost. But it's everything and everyone is wondering what's going on with Harry Kane. Um, personally, in my opinion, I think the deal will get done. You've got a player who doesn't want to be there. You've yeah. got a player who's told them as much. He couldn't have been more obvious. I don't know if you saw that interview out with Gary Neville on a golf course. And he's basically been pandering to City. And it's obvious that he wants to move there and wants to leave, um, especially with after the theatrics that he's he had previously, not turning up to training and, and what have you. So it'll be very interesting to see if he starts here. But I think the deal will get done. I imagine it will sort of kick on after this game. I don't think anyone really wants to leak anything uh, prior to, to this game. But yeah, for me, in my opinion, I don't think Harry Kane plays in this game. I, d- I just don't think he does. Um, Not even yeah, off the bench. For me, potentially, but from, you know, obviously you can believe who you like. There's so many different stories going around, so many wannabe journalists who claim to be in the know on these things. <laughs> but the majority of them are kind of saying that Kane doesn't want to play in this game, so his head's not going to be right. And Nuno's going to want to get firing straight away. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Son Chong Min lead the line. Uh, potentially this one being supported by uh, Bergwijn maybe Ali who's apparently been on fire in training uh, and maybe Mora down the flank as well but yeah for me like I said I'm not having a bet but I do think Tottenham are exceptionally overpriced so maybe you can get on and and, and trade that position or go on a double chance for for Tottenham I think City will struggle for the first few weeks yeah it would it would be really stupid I think if if Tottenham didn't sell Kane this this I mean, this summer, because I feel like they're just not going to get anything near that kind of money 
the the longer they wait. I mean, this is <laughs> if you've got for one, they've got a player there that doesn't really want to play for them, and two, his value is probably never going to be higher than it is now. I'm not sure how long his contract's got left at Tottenham. If it's one or two years left, I don't know. Oh, it's you know. much longer than that. He's he signed. Oh, I think. Uh, I think he signed a four or five year contract. Maybe was it right. a year ago, year or two ago? So he stupidly oh. signed that long term contract. Um, but yeah, no, completely agree with you with with that one. Um, it'll be City's potentially second hundred million plus signing in in one window, which I never thought as a City fan I would see. Our, our owners previously have kind of been, no, we don't pay those kind of fees. But it's interesting though. It, you know, you look it's at... the way to do it, mate, because if you're a rich club right now, it is the perfect time to just be ridiculous with your spending because you can just leap ahead of everyone in the in not even in the Premier League, but in, in Europe because there are so... There's literally like a handful of clubs, City, Chelsea... Maybe Manchester United, you can throw in there too, that can just go out and spend this money and it's not going to hurt them all that much. Like, there's so many broke clubs out there. You might as well just, this is the time to do it. <laughs> yeah, but you say that though, but you know, Liverpool haven't got the funds. They've not got the money that they can just splash around. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. After, that, that there's yeah, not I'm, many guessing, clubs I'm guessing Arsenal. I'm guessing Arsenal do if they're paying almost 30 million for Aaron Ramsdale, which I'm sure we'll discuss momentarily. But, um, yeah. but you, you, the thing is, you do say that. Obviously, the, yeah, Grealish, 100 million is just, it's ridiculous money. It really is. But no one's saying anything about, you know, as Pep said, no one's saying anything about the 60 million worth of money that we've got incoming from from transfers as well and, and other fees. No one's mentioning that. So technically, the net spend for Grealish was 40 million. If you're paying 40 million for Grealish, you'd be like, that's a great deal. But no one mentions that. Obviously, I know they've paid 100 million for him. But the amount of signings Liverpool made, I think it was for the next five years or four years or whatever it was after Liverpool sold Coutinho. It's like, it's the Coutinho money. It's the Coutinho money. You know, like, it's you've got to appreciate within business, you, if a lot of teams have to sell to buy. And yes, City don't have to do that. But nevertheless, if they've spent big, then you've got to look at their, their incoming. Sorry, right, well, they got 60 million incomings and then spent 100 on, on Greenish. So technically it's 40 million, which is, is a great deal. And it's great business in my opinion. But I do agree with you. It is the perfect time. And you've got to feel sorry for, for the smaller clubs and, I say smaller clubs in a less fortunate position, money-wise, um, who aren't able to sort of flex their financial muscles and, and bring in some talent in these current times. But that's not to say, you know, if teams are run well and they're getting this money in, then why shouldn't they be able to spend it? It's, it is a tough one, and obviously, City are, are very much hated in terms of, of the way they operate. But as they say, if you're not, if well, if you're not hated, you're doing something wrong, aren't you? So <laughs> I. I grew up hating Man United for years for them splashing money out and buying whoever they wanted. You know, the likes of Ferdinand for 30 million, which at the time was a hell of a lot of money. Uh, and Veron as well. You know, these sort of players. It, it just seems to me that, you know, because obviously you get inflation as well. So those kind of fees. But yeah, it just seems to be a city's turn now to to kind of be hated. As a City fan, I'm absolutely loving it. I hope Pep gets enough time to spend another billion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's so enjoyable too for me, mate. You know, watching all this kind of spending, it's brilliant. Um, back back to the betting on this one, though. I thought yeah. an interesting bet was maybe under two and a half goals. You can get two point one in a few places, yeah. just because. I mean, if you look at uh, just how the game could play out, I Nuno's never really been, you know, the most attacking minded coach. He knows that he's not going to have um, his full squad available to him, so. You know, you wouldn't be too surprised if he went into this very cautious and we know Manchester City dominate possession and you're also saying that Manchester City are not at full strength. So 
it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if it was kind of Manchester City dominating possession and and maybe you know get a one nil two nil 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 kind of victory like you know not too many goals expected in this one so I, I, are you are you surprised that the lines I mean the only thing that I'm trying to factor in now is it's a completely different scenario now because we're still seeing things with no crowds and with no crowds That's, yeah. It's it's so That's hard to like say. get your mindset back into the crowds <clears throat> kind of situation. <clears throat> yeah, I, I can't stress this enough. This is a, a completely brand new season for a start. It's not just because you know it's not different in just because it's a new season starting. We haven't had fans, proper fans, you know, full attendances in for what over a year now. So it's hard to see how it's going to swing. We've seen sort of recently in, in the championship, I think the cards averages have gone up slightly, for example, and there's been a few more goals, I believe. And you know, so it, for me, I think go lightly in the first few weeks of the season just to kind of get a feel for it and see how things tend to be going. Um, you know, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't throw caution to the wind and just go all in on stuff. Definitely not. Um, I play it cautiously and, and see how things go. But yeah, in terms of your reasoning for the under two and a half and just looking at the teams, I agree completely. Mm. But with those fans in there who've not been able to see their team for so long, it could be an unbelievable atmosphere and it could really get them going, you know. So it's, it is a difficult one. That's why for me, I think being at home with all those Tottenham fans haven't seen their team and City not at full strength, I potentially like Tottenham on, you know, maybe a plus 0.5 or, you know, double chance is the same thing. Um, yeah, I just think City are going to struggle for the first few weeks. But yeah, the the goals line is a tricky one for me. It's, it's one that I'd be quite cautious of playing. Yeah, it seems like just from looking at a few of the markets I've looked at, it seems like the market has adjusted to the fact that crowds are back. It's not like they're being a bit, you know, will mm. will still give you a bit of a uh, a bit of uh, a bit of value, I guess, or a bit more um, yeah, money on it just to to see what happens. But it seems like the market's kind of uh, yeah gone a bit more on the overs side than the unders side compared to last season. But, mate, we'll see how it all plays out. Let's uh, let's go to the first one of your games you want to talk about today, Brentford versus the great Arsenal, mate. Uh, Arsenal team news for this one is parties out, uh, which is a big loss. And also, Gabriel probably won't be back for a couple of weeks. Uh, Saka, I would assume, will not start this along with Martinelli as they're both coming back from the Euros and and World Cup. So it won't be a um, World Cup, the Olympics, sorry. So it won't be a uh, full Arsenal team. So I'm quite surprised with the odds on this one. You can get uh, Arsenal at about best price of 1.9 and you can get the draw at 3.8 and Brentford as high as 4.5, 4.4. Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to kind of see why the odds are where they're at, and I'd, I'd kind of agree with them, um, <clears throat> to be honest. Obviously, you well, you'll know. I mean, I love Brentford. Um, obviously, with Matthew Benham, I know you've covered, it. you've done a few videos on on Matthew Benham. It's great to see, um, and yeah, it's one I am looking forward to. You know, a team who finally made it to the Premier League, and their fans finally get to see them in the flesh again. And it's going to be a tough game for Arsenal, definitely. But I just think mm. cream will rise to the top, and. I think Arsenal just got a little bit more quality than than Brentford, but Brentford will be well drilled. Thomas Frank's done a, a great job there. Um, you know, the one finally won the Championship playoff last season after years of, of disappointment to you know the, to earn promotion to the Premier League for the first time ever. So, like I said, with the supporters, it's just a massive occasion for them in a brand new stadium as well. Um, 
and to have Arsenal visiting for the first ever Premier League yeah. game for your club, it's, it's a great occasion, which is why I think this will be definitely one to watch on a, on a Friday night. And, you know, pre-season results, looking at that, you know, they're not overly important. It is all about fitness. It's all about bedding players back in again. But do you just feel Arsenal would be a bit more optimistic about the new season if they'd have actually managed to win any of their four friendlies? Um, you know, lost 2-1 to Hibernian in Scotland and then obviously played another Scottish side in Rangers drawing 2 all, and then lost to Chelsea and Tottenham as well. It's Like I said, it is all about fitness, but it also can bring a little bit of confidence going into the season. Um, I'll just point out that we beat Millwall, mate. You beat Millwall, did you? Okay, I must have missed we that one. We beat someone but... else too, I'm pretty sure. I think we beat, we won two games, but that was in between the Scotland games and the okay. Chelsea and Tottenham games. But nevertheless, like you know, like I said, I wouldn't read too much into that. You, you never can. Obviously, I'm just merely saying it would have been a bit better for them, I think, if they'd have perhaps put a bit of a run together there. But you no know, new season. Um, and like we said, Arsenal are definitely, definitely favourites heading into into this one. But for me, I look at, it, I look at Arsenal and that team news I mean Ben White 50 million I, I do think Ben White's a great signing maybe not for 50 million but I think he's exactly what Arsenal need um, I do think Ben White could be a, a bit of a leader he's great centre-half reliable um, and I think the only way is up for him um, under the tutelage of Arteta they've also signed Lukonga from Anderlecht and uh, Tavares from, from Benfica good signings that should shore them up defensively um, once they've gelled and I, I do like the work that Arteta and has done in terms of the players that he's brought in but you know, Brentford have made some good signings um, of their own. Obviously, as you know, if you're coming up from the championship, unless you're Leeds, you need to be signing quality players uh, if you want to stay up and, and make a good account of yourselves. And they've signed a centre-back, um, I believe it's pronounced Ayer from Celtic. And, and I believe it's one that uh, a lot of scouts had looked at Ayer in terms of his ball-playing ability, the way he wins it. He's excellent. And I think he's perfect for the way Brentford want to play. He's a brilliant centre-half. Um, they've also signed Onyeka from Benham's other club in Michelin, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, how he gets on. And they've signed Vissa from from Lorient, which is again, I'm surprised not more clubs were in for for Vissa. He's a good ball, he's a good ball player, ball carrier, um, an exciting player as well. So he did very well in league on last season. So that's a gr- brilliant addition for them. Um, <clears throat> as we mentioned on the podcast before, though, I think Nice brought it up. Actually, it was an interesting one. You know, Lacazette's got that perfect opportunity. Um, to extend that Premier League record and become the first ever player to score the first EPL goal of a new season if he finds the net um, on three occasions, sorry. So that's an interesting one. I think he could do it as well. But um, yeah, the the angles that I were looking at, actually, um, there were kind of two potential bets I like the look of. The first one is for there to be over three Asian cards. So obviously if there's only three cards in the game, it's a a refund to get your money back more than that. And obviously it's a win. And uh, I just kind of look at it, you know, Arsenal were averaging around 20 booking points per game last season. Uh, I mean, meanwhile, Brentford were picking up an average of of 1.4 cards per game last season. Brentford were one of the better sides in the championship. You know, they dominated the ball. They were clearly one of the better sides, but they still managed to pick up a couple of cards and they weren't have faced anyone with the quality of Arsenal. So I think that average obviously will definitely go up this season. And the referee for this one's Michael Oliver. And he averaged just over three cards per game last season. And there's been at least three cards in 14 of his of his last 20 games officiated overall. And yeah, for me, I, I think this one's got all the ingredients of uh, of cards. You know, particularly, like I said, you've got those fans of Brentford in. They're going to be getting right behind their team. Brentford are going to be so up for it, energetic, but could lose their heads occasionally. You know, they're so keen to, to get in a challenge and, and break away that committing a few awkward fouls and again because of how energetic they'll be and Arsenal obviously with uh, some new signs trying to gel 
maybe some miscommunication and, and some dodgy fouls. And Arsenal are usually quite good for cards. So for me, I think there'll be at least three cards in this one. Hence why I'm going on the uh, the Asian over to kind of play it a little bit safer. And you can get that at, at 1.875 on, on bet 365. Um, the other angle, although it was potentially, potentially both teams to score, you know, like I said, Thomas Franks, he, he's instilled a free-flowing style of football at Brentford and they've shored up defensively in, in terms of signings, and but they'll always give their opponents chances just due to the way they play and I do worry that they'll, that, you know, this isn't the championship, it's the Premier League. Teams will hurt you if you make mistakes, whereas you won't, you know, you won't be able to get away with the things uh, in the Premier League that you can in the championship. So they will allow Arsenal opportunities. But I do think, likewise, same as that, Arsenal give you chances and Ivan Tony scored, I think it was like what, 31 goals in the championship last season. So he's going to be so eager to get underway. And for me, I think both teams could score in this one. I really do. And at 1.75, I quite like that price. So those would be my two plays for Brentford against Arsenal on Friday night. Over three Asian cards uh, and in a separate bet, both teams to score. Yeah, but back to the cards, mate. I think it's what do you what do you think the the impact will be? There's two things I wanted to talk about here, like the, the impact of crowds. For one, do you think? I mean, the natural thought is that crowds creates more cards. But secondly, do you th- I, I saw something uh, about uh, I can't remember who it was from. Maybe it's from a journalist or something on Twitter, and he was saying that the referees have been briefed to make the the league a bit more physical and kind of let things go a little bit more, I guess, you know, not <clears throat> not favouring diving and all this kind of things, I guess just letting the game flow a bit more. Uh, do you think that might reduce in, in less cards too? Have you got any thoughts on both of those things that I mentioned? Well, obviously, I've, I mean, I've not heard that, but if that's the case, but then how much can you get away with it? If the league's more physical, players are going to think, right, well, I can get away with more then. And, you know, where, how far do they push it? I don't think it's going to impact the number of cards that much. Um, it to be honest, if anything, it could see it go up um, in terms of averages because if the league is getting more physical, there you are. There's the opportunities for, for cards there and they won't know how far they can push it. So it's a whole new new area. So for me, I think that just means there could be even more cards. Um, and I, I just look at this fixture and I think of everything I look for in, in terms of games of cards, this this has got it. You know, It's a brand new stadium, Brentford's first ever Premier League game. They come up against quality opposition, want to make a good account of themselves. They're going to be full of energy and absolutely buzzing, probably playing on adrenaline as well. You've got Michael Oliver, who's not shy of a card. It's For me, I think over three Asian cards. For example, if it was purely over 3.5, I'd want a bit more out of the price. But because it's three Asian cards, if there's only three, something that's happened in 14 of the last 20 games Oliver has refereed, and if there's only three, you get your money back. Um, for me, that represents that's a great price, 1.875. I really do like that. Um, but yeah. Cool, mate. Well, uh, we'll look forward to watching that one. That's on tomorrow. What's that? For? It's basically <laughs> on this time tomorrow. So uh, by mm-hmm. the time this comes out, you'll have a couple of hours to get those bets on. So be quick, everyone. Uh, Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. I'll get the odds up for this one. Chelsea very short at 1.3. Best odds I can see there. Draw at sixes or a little bit lower than that elsewhere. And Crystal Palace you can get as high as 14 on Betfair. So, uh, yeah, it seems that the bookies are basically giving Patrick Vieira absolutely no chance of of a victory here in his first ever game in charge of Palace. Yeah, as I said on the other podcast, for me, I think Patrick Vieira is one of my favourites as uh, the next manager to leave his post. Oh, Palace just 
they look like relegation fodder already to me, just looking at them. And we saw last season, I remember seeing that um, our Palace are at risk of losing this many players. And I was like, well, that won't happen. They'll obviously maybe sign a few one-year deals or this, that and the other. And they didn't. Um, you know, they lost around nine first-team players due to contracts ending, in, including centre-halves, Cahill, Gary Cahill, that is, and, and Scott Dan. And they're two magnificent centre-halves and very experienced, very strong Premier League defenders. Um, they spent big on on Chelsea defender, um, <clears throat> under-23 defender, I should say, Gwehi, uh, for £21 who was on loan at Swansea in the Championship last season. And you know, it's, it's a good sign for the future, but he's got no Premier League experience and it's, you know he, he can't replace that experience of, of Cahill and, and Dan just yet. You know he might turn out to be absolutely brilliant, but nevertheless he still won't have that experience and know how that the the aforementioned two have. You know, and there's a, a like I said a long way to go in this window yet, but they've lost that experience without replacing it. They've brought in Patrick Vieira, who <clears throat> I'm not that convinced by. He's not had an extensively re- successful record as a manager he was in my opinion largely disappointing um, at Nice I believe and yeah like I said before they've got all the makings of, of a relegation fodder and I think they've got their work cut out here as the odds would suggest and away from home Palace were conceding um, on average 1.65 expected goals against and now they lost two Premier League experienced central defenders as well as the likes of Andros Townsend you know a lot of very very experienced players key to them like the spine of their team um, yeah, it's going to be a long day for them, in my opinion. Chelsea have won 16 of their last 20 games against Palace, including each of the last seven. So, no, they do tend to do well against their uh, London rivals. And Palace have lost their last four visits to Stamford Bridge by an aggregate of 11 to 2. It's not a place they enjoy visiting. So, for me, I look at it Chelsea are going to be on a massive high after winning that Super Cup. I know it was on penalties, but nevertheless, hands on more silverware already. Perfect way to start the season. Um, yeah, and the fans are going to be eager to get in Stamford Bridge and celebrate with their team. It's just, it's going to be fever pitch at Stamford Bridge, in my opinion. There's just a feel-good factor around that club at the moment. And you look at the sort of the last three meetings, there's been at least four goals in all of them. Um with the two sides sort of heading in seemingly opposite directions. You've got Chelsea on the up and Palace just look to be going the complete opposite way. And I think there could be another goal fest here um, with Chelsea coming out on top, obviously. And yeah, for me, I really like the look of Chelsea winning and over two and a half goals. I think Chelsea could run riot here. Um, and obviously, if Palace can somehow nick a goal, as we know, Chelsea can concede the odd one. Then obviously, I think this bet's a winner. And it's priced at evens. On uh, so two point zero on bet three six five, and I looked at a lot of other bookies, and this was priced. The same bet was priced at around one point eight six. Um, so I'm not sure if the price is still there or not. But for evens on this, I, I think it's way overpriced. I think other bookies have got the line right at around one point eight six. Sorry, the uh, the price right at one point eight six. So yeah, Chelsea win and over two and a half goals. Straightforward here for me. So you don't think there'll be any kind of, I guess, hangover from the Super Cup? I'm not sure how many days rest these are three or, or four days rest they're going to have. Yeah, it's about that, I believe. Even yeah. so, I think they could play on one day's rest. And I think they would just dismantle this Palace side. <laughs> and you know, honestly, I really do. They I have really quite the squad. They're like, and oh, you know, I'm just looking at this team. You have got Eze out as well. Nathan Ferguson's out. No Conor Gallagher. It's it really is a, a tricky one. Um, oh, I'm just looking at it. I'd imagine Chelsea will still maintain their three at the back with uh, obviously playing the wing-backs and Alonso and Hudson and Adoy are just going to tear them apart. I really think they are and I think it's just me back to the wall for Crystal Palace. Um, 
yeah, I, I see nothing else other than, as the price suggests, a Chelsea win here. And I do think there could be goals. So yeah, Chelsea in over two and a half. The fact that it's at evens, I was very surprised by. So it's uh, definitely a value punt for me. All right, there we go. Last game you wanted to go through today, mate, is Everton and Southampton. Uh, Rafa Benitez's first game in charge of Everton, and and South, coming up against Southampton, they've they've had quite a few outgoings this this summer. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they shape up in their in their first game, or just in general this season. It might not be the the season that Southampton fans are wanting, mate. But uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to this one in that it's going to be weird to see Rafa Benitez managing Everton, isn't it? It it really is a strange one. But yeah, they've both got both sides have got checks to make over key players uh, ahead of this curtain raiser. Now, Richarlison, fair play to him. He's only just back from the Olympics. Um, he said he wanted to come back straight away. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is is a doubt for Everton, while uh, James Ward-Prowse for Southampton. He's only just recovered from a knee injury. So it'd be interesting to see if he starts here because he is a doubt going into this one. But yeah, as you said, looking at Southampton, they've kind of been decimated by by transfer outgoings really. And, you know, they've lost their top goal scorer from last season in, in Danny Ings after his switch to, to Aston Villa. He contributed with 12 goals last season. And you look at the sort of the records between the two and Everton haven't lost a Premier League home game uh, to Southampton since 97. So they do tend to do quite well in the league when they're on home soil uh, to Everton. Um, and the Saints have kept just one clean sheet in their last nine league meetings with Everton. I just, I think everything points to, to Everton here for me. I think they're more solid. I think they've got, a, in my opinion, a better manager. I do rate Hausenhutl. I like the way he sort of sticks through tough periods and coaches his way out of it. I really do admire that. But how long will it last for is is my question. I think they will struggle this year. Um and Everton haven't lost any of their opening league matches in the last nine campaigns, while Southampton won just one of their last 14 season openers. They don't tend to do so well on, on that first day. And But like I said, to be fair, Calvert-Lewin is a doubt. But you know his 16 Premier League goals last season were worth 16 points uh, to Everton. And only Mo Salah for Liverpool had a more valuable contribution to his side. And if he is available, it would just be a huge boost for them. It really would. Um on the flip side, like I said, James Ward-Prowse is a doubt going into this one and, and he was involved in 32% of Southampton's goals scored last season. And goals is something I think this side are going to struggle for. That Yes, they've got Shea Adams up top and I do like him, but he's not an out-and-out goal scorer. He's not a natural finisher, is he? He's a bit of a workhorse. He works hard, but he's not a natural finisher. Um, but yeah, so if he is he is a doubt, James Ward-Prowse going into this one after only returning to training this week, I believe. Um, he had a knee injury as well. So yeah, if James Ward-Prowse isn't available, you combine that with the loss of Danny Ings, I think this is going to be a really tough game for them. Even to be honest, even if James Ward-Prowse is involved in this one, I, I just don't see where really who's going to you know which one of these players is going to go out and score 15 goals for them a season to keep him up. I, I don't see a, a player in that side that's going to be able to do that. I don't think Shea Adams has got it in him. I just don't think he's a natural finisher. I think he's a I think he worked well with Danny Ings and obviously Danny Ings would finish all the chances, but I don't think Shea Adams is the man to, to be doing that. So for me, there was two angles, but I want to play the safer one because uh, I was looking at the price for Everton to win to nil um, and that was at 3.25, which I thought was a good price, but I'm playing it a little bit safe and I'm simply going with Everton to win this game at 1.91, which I think is a, a good price. I'd have more around 1.8 personally. Um, so 1.91 represented good value for me. 
Yeah, well, you can get better than that in a few plays. You get 1.95 <laughs> at William Hill, uh, twos at Spreadex if anyone has an account there. And, mm-hmm. I, and the exchanges too look like you can get maybe a touch better than 1.95. So, uh, yeah, plenty of bookies offering uh, better odds than what you found there, mate. Um Unfortunately, I, I popped out for a bit during uh, during while you were talking. I had a few technical errors, but uh, I hope I didn't miss. I think you just kept talking, mate, the whole time. I couldn't hear a thing you were saying. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess we'll just charge along, mate. Everything is back to normal now. But uh, yeah, that's all the games you wanted to go through today, mate. What about uh, your best bet of the week? And you've yeah, obviously gone through quite a few bets there in the Arsenal game, yeah. Everton game, and the Chelsea game. Um, yeah, out of all of them, which one is your favourite? It's a toss-up between two. I really like Everton to beat Southampton, but my best bet is going to be uh, Chelsea to win in over two and a half goals against Crystal Palace. I just think that Palace side is, is destined for relegation. I think they've lost too many players and they're in trouble. And I think Chelsea are going to capitalise on that. They're on a high at the moment. Probably the worst time you want to go away to Chelsea. And Palace hate going to the bridge, so it's it's got goals for me and I only see Chelsea winning it. So Chelsea to win and over two and a half goals. So that'd be my pick. So I I was looking for a few potential, you know, like sort of foul lines and other other card lines I like. But obviously I think, again, similar to the stats on on, on Twitter, I want to wait until stats are more pertinent and you can get a better feel for how games sort of panning out and how the season's going. But ones like this, yeah, I'm, I'm quite confident in. Yeah, no, it'll be really interest, interesting to see the the effect on fouls and cards now that now the crowds are back. But, uh, mate, thank you very much for coming on. You can find George on Twitter at CGeorgeGamble for all his card stuff. And then you can find him also on at George underscore CGG for some of his other bets that he'll be posting up, I guess, over the weekend. Mate, we, uh, we finish up. With the quiz question of the week, it's back. Manchester City won the title by 12 points last season, but where were they on the table on Christmas Day? Well, do you know, because I'm a City Plus member, which is just sounds horrendous to say, and we released uh, sort of an end-of-season sort of video within the last 46 days of the season, uh, like documentary. And because I remember we were quite low, and I want to say, but I know it was through the Christmas period we went on that ridiculous run that was the top of the table, but... It was either 13th or 14th, I'm sure. We were very, very low. It was not good. It was not good. But I'm not sure if that was on Christmas Day or if that was a few weeks before. So, Yeah, mate, they might I'm be a go... few weeks before. Because <laughs> <laughs> we obviously must have been a bit higher then because that was during the middle of the really, really good run. I'll say 7th. Oh, you've missed it by one, mate. You're actually eighth, which is crazy. Oh, really? I, 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 I yeah. don't remember that. I just, I remember you guys maybe being like fourth or maybe third. Who knows? I mean, I was too busy looking. No, at one, at one stage we were fourteenth, yeah. and then everyone's calling for Pep's head. And then, like I said, that run through Christmas where we won every single game was just unprecedented. Um, and that's what won us the league. Yeah, that's crazy. That just shows. The old uh, the short term biases that we have because all I remember from last yep. season is Manchester City just you know being ahead by twenty points for the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Precisely. Uh, yeah. Exactly. All right. Cool, mate. Thanks for coming on. Uh, next podcast coming out will be on Monday. Hopefully, I'll have a new guest for you all, and we'll uh, yeah hopefully be back next week to preview 
uh, some more games. There should be just about next week and we should have all the leagues back. Serie A start up next week and so back into the full swing of things. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Please do a quick rate and review of the podcast and subscribe to us wherever you listen to the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like and subscribe button. As I've mentioned a few times already this week, 10,000 subscribers. We are, we are just about to hit that mark. So it's very exciting times. And if you're looking to implement some of the strategies we talked about today on the podcast, especially the value betting ones, start a free week trial of TradeMate Sports. Never been a better time to start your value betting journey with all the with all the soccer around the corner or football, as all you Europeans call it. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Thanks again for having me, Alex. Much appreciated.